Jowson, sweetie, please drop that beat to start the show. The Romantic Truth Podcast extends a loving and warm welcome to listeners in celebration of our sixth year of the show. We wish you a promising 2024. Please be advised that due to the language, subject matter, and topics of the show, adults 18 years of age and older are highly recommended for this content. Uninterrupted and commercial-free listening. Now, since all of that is over, I would like to take this opportunity and introduce you to the host of Romantic Truth, Jaosan in Las Vegas. Today, the topic is dating and racial issues. Welcome to another episode of the Romantic Truth Podcast, where we delve into the complexities of dating and relationships. I'm your host, Jao San, and today we have a diverse panel of guests joining us to discuss the intersection of dating and racial issues. Let's give a warm welcome to Daya from Hong Kong, Juanita from Baltimore, Maryland, and Jillian from West London. kick things off. Let's talk about the cultural nuances in dating. Daya, how do cultural backgrounds impact dating dynamics in Hong Kong? Well, Hong Kong is a melting pot of cultures, so it's not unusual to see people from different backgrounds dating. However, there can still be challenges when it comes to understanding each other's traditions and expectations. Absolutely. Now, Juanita, in Baltimore, how have you navigated racial dynamics in your dating experiences? It's been a journey, Jao San. Baltimore is diverse, but racial tensions can still play a role. Open communication and a willingness to learn about each other's backgrounds have been crucial in overcoming these challenges. Wise words. Jillian, from your perspective in West London, how do you see racial issues influencing the dating scene? London is incredibly diverse, and that's reflected in the dating scene. However, there can be misconceptions or stereotypes that individuals bring into relationships. It's essential to break down those barriers through open dialogue. Communication seems to be a common theme. Now let's talk about interracial relationships. Dahia, have you faced any unique challenges in your interracial relationships? Certainly, Jaosan. Language barriers and cultural misunderstandings can arise. It's crucial to be patient, willing to learn, and appreciate the differences. Well said. Juanita, your thoughts on navigating interracial relationships in Baltimore? Interracial relationships can face external pressures, but it's essential for the couple to stay true to themselves. Building a strong foundation and understanding each other's perspectives help overcome external challenges. And finally, Jillian, how about your experiences with interracial dating in West London? London embraces diversity, but that doesn't mean challenges don't exist. It's about celebrating our differences and finding common ground. Respect and understanding are key. Fantastic insights from all of you. As we wrap up, any advice for our listeners dealing with dating and racial issues? Embrace diversity, be open-minded, and always communicate openly. Don't let societal expectations dictate your relationships. Stay true to yourself and your partner. Understand that learning about each other's cultures can be enriching. It's an opportunity for growth. Thank you, Daya, Juanita, and Jillian for joining us today on the Romantic Truth Podcast. And to our listeners, remember, love knows no boundaries, and think before you love. Now, when we refer to dating, there's a couple of things that we have to come to grips with here. There are many aspects when it comes to especially interracial dating. Let's look at some of the factors that are going to be involved with it. One, difference in race, skin tone. Number two, more so than anything, a difference probably in political views, background and upbringing, religion, food and culture. So there are a lot of things that are going to be factors that may differentiate people from others, not to mention aesthetics, the physical build. Now, some people will actually set their preferences on race as being the first thing 
when they're going through their profile to set up a dating app. I'm only dating white people. They may put in there. Caucasian. Blonde hair, blue eyes only. Height, five, six to six feet. And then they'll go down the list. Smoker, non-smoker, children, no children, that kind of thing. Now, with this, most of us, what do we do? We base this preference on the same preferences we have for ourselves, based on something we had nothing to do with, being born that way, and we project it onto our prospective partner. The assumption is that we are going to have more compatibility than we would with anyone else based on the criteria. Now, what are some of the other factors that come into play? Geography, regionalism, language, the way we speak. There are people in California that will not date people in Texas, or people from the East Coast, or people from down South because of the accent. There are people in the South that will think that people in California are a little bit too wimpy and won't date them, despite geography. Then you have the philosophical differences. And believe it or not, the philosophical differences carry more weight than the racial differences and any other difference. The reason being is because this is your way of life philosophically. This is the way you live. This is the way you think you believe. And the likelihood is you're going to run into more conflict with people based on that than you would any other factors. So what do we do when we set preferences too high? We limit ourselves on the number of people we'll be exposed to. That's the reason why many of the dating sites have taken away the racial designation. Some, they've left the gender designation. They've taken some of the geographical designations out in some of the apps. And others, they still left it in. It all depends. Now, what the role that many of these dating dating apps are playing in our society, believe it or not, is a form of integration. They're trying to pull the very things that separated us out of the consideration category. So that means that instead of filtering people out based on their race or hair color or whatever, you're going to have to go and see their photo in order to make that determination. Now, are they doing it for some altruistic view to bring races together and that kind of thing? No. They're doing it so that the odds are you'll stay on the app a lot longer in the hopes of increasing your chances. Think of a dating app like a Casino. The longer the longer you're in there, the more possibility you're going to spend more money. That's the key. Now, let's look at a few things. 86% of Americans marry someone within their own race. 14%, not so much. That number has increased exponentially, especially since the 80s and the 70s. You see, 60s, it was a turbulent time in America. People were divided by race. You look in the 70s, look what happened when Nixon ran for president. What did the Republicans do? They didn't go by Darwin's four racial categories, Caucasoid, Negroid, Mongoloid, and Australoid. Instead, what they did, they said, well, you know what? We're going to need to break these down into micro-units. So, people from the Middle East, if you're born in Algiers, if you're born in uh, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Israel, Palestine, if you were born in Syria, if you're born in any region of the Middle East, what did they do? Well, they classified you as being from the Middle Eastern category, and they were classified as white. That's what they did with the census. And then when you look at Hispanic, a 
term they pulled out of their asses in the 70s, early 70s, late 60s. They wanted to differentiate people of Latin heritage from those who spoke Spanish and had a lighter skin tone from those who were native Spanish speakers that were either darker or black. Now, the term Hispanic, where did it come from? Well, you look at that, I know you hear about it every day on the news. When you start hearing about, for instance, the baseball player that's in the Dominican Republic for sleeping with an underage girl, or the earthquakes that have been happening in Haiti and how Haiti is now run amok. Well, that whole island used to be called Hispanola. And now they have another region, I believe, called Hispanola, small island. But it's taken a name since the country's been established. Now, here's the thing to keep in mind. These people are classified as Hispanic. And many of them have never been on that island. Many of them are descendants from people from Mexico. Or Latin America. Now, why did they do this? To increase the number of voters for them. And so, Cuban-Americans, they did the same thing. Now, what I'm getting at is we talk about how we are diverse in this country, but yet we use race as a way to divide us. And when it works to our advantage, we use it as a way to include us. Let me give you an example. When you talk about crime statistics, what two groups of people always get put in there? Blacks and Hispanics. We focus on those a lot. We have the highest incarceration rate in the world. The highest number of people being incarcerated. Disproportionately, they're Latino and Black. And here's the thing. It's no secret, this country was founded with a lot of racial prejudice just the way it is. That hasn't changed and won't change. And they've reared generations to believe certain things about other groups without even knowing them, meeting them, or associating with them. And their glimpse of a group of people is based on a stereotype. Or the stereotype that they were told about that they envisioned. We even see it in Hollywood all the time in our movies. I'll never forget what one of the uh, mafia figures said when things were going down for the mob back in the 1980s. Never forget it. He said one of our biggest mistakes was turning over the entertainment industry to the gays. And I didn't know what he meant by that because I'm like, well, I have friends that are gay. They're not mean people or nothing like that. I have co-workers that are gay. I don't see what... But what he was talking about were people who might have been gay, but they were also prejudiced. This is one thing that the LGBT community hasn't addressed. And it's a problem within it. Some of you have written in about that. And I've seen it on with my own two eyes right there in Los Angeles. Because many of them have the issue of being singled out because of their lifestyle persuasion 
But yet, some of them will point the finger at other people. It's also been an issue. And of course, we've had this problem between the LGBTQ community. Oh, I can't forget PAI. Got to put that in there as well. And the black community, based on the social struggle. But see, what blows that argument apart is that a white gay male that doesn't display his lifestyle, he's looked upon as a straight white male. (laughs) That black man He's going to be discriminated against based on who he is. That person could be based, the other person could be based on the lifestyle they chose. Or that suits them the best. And see, that's the difference. That black is going nowhere on their skin. That the skin color is there. And so they're going to face consistent discrimination. The other group, they have selective discrimination. That's the main argument. It's just like the argument I told you about with the pronouns. Person wants to be called she, her. Okay, no problem with that. But by the same token, I as a man can go and say that I'm a billionaire and get offended when somebody doesn't call me that. I could go into a bank and tell them I'm a billionaire and give me my billion dollars. And the lady tells me I'm delusional. And then I can say, wait a minute, you disrespected me because you infringed upon my delusion of being something that I'm not. That's what I'm saying. I have no problem with the lifestyle that people live. Never have. As I told you. I have friends that are gay. I love lesbians. I got several friends that look more than several. I got a lot of friends that are lesbian. I think they're the coolest people ever because they wear comfortable shoes. I have transgender friends. As I told you, they went through a lot of shit well before it was acceptable. They call it hell. They didn't have... Twitter, they didn't have all these support mechanisms. It was hard for them. Hard for them to find doctors and therapists that would support them because everybody had that view that it was evil. We'll realize that as human beings, we create our own evil. Just like we manufactured our own good. It's all about perspective. Perception. Now, being that we have all these factors involved and we're so fragmented, we come together when it's something that's going to impact the common good. So now, politically, we're trying to get together in order to support Joe Biden to avoid the revenge of Trump. Because that's basically what it's going to be. Because if he ever gets elected, he's going to take out his vengeance on everyone that he thought did him wrong. And people that didn't do him wrong. But again, you can't blame him for being who he is. Because that's who he is. You blame the people that put him there in power. They've seen the result because they love being entertained. I get a lot of email on this show about your show is not that entertaining. That's the reason why we don't subscribe. It's not supposed to be entertaining. It's supposed to be informative. That's the reason why PBS doesn't do so well in America compared to 
commercial television. C-SPAN doesn't do that well, does it? Because we're not there trying to fill your head with just a bunch of nonsense in order to keep you watching, just like on social media, to keep you watching. So you scroll infinitely on TikTok. You start at 6 p.m. and stop at about 5.30 a.m. the next day. They got your attention. Some of you pay more attention to social media than you do in your own damn relationships. Because it's an escape. And we get addicted to escapes. That's that mindless wandering that we have. And some of us use relationships as escape mechanisms. Now, there are different reasons why people get into interracial relationships. They get into them out of curiosity. They get into them based on political agendas. They get into them to prove a point various reasons. Here are the relationships that I would not recommend that you stay in too long if you were to get into one. If this person is telling you about how racist their parents were and how they were going to prove them wrong, you're nothing more than a poster child to prove a point for them. The premise of the relationship is the most important part of a relationship. Why did it start? What was the premise? What was the beginning? What was the thing about it that began it? Was it exploratory sex? You wanted to see what it was like to fuck a person of a different race? And now that you've done that, you want to start a relationship? You're doing it for political correctness or some political agenda. Or is it out of a fetish? It should be out of love. It should be out of your pursuit of happiness for yourself and for that person. Because if the premise is not right, no matter what kind of relationship you're in, the whole thing is going to be wrong. Some women go into a relationship on the premise of having a better lifestyle with a husband or a boyfriend. Some men go into it with the premise of getting a trophy girlfriend or trophy wife to prove that they have arrived. Believe it or not, I root for the guy that actually winds up wealthy and successful against the average plain Jane looking woman. I've always admired them more so than the guy that got the trophy wife. I've dated the size fours, I've dated models before, I've dated actresses, that kind of shit. And let me tell you, they're all holding to someone else. Not to their man. Whether it's a career, whether it's the next opportunity, Somebody's got the carrot and they're dropping it down and every time they pick the carrot up, they jump. Interracial relationships are not designed for a political statement. Just like with any other relationship, it's designed to be happy. Whether it's same sex, the same thing. It's about happiness. Life is hard enough as it is. And your little political agenda means nothing. Not even dropping a bucket. Nobody cares. That's the reason why your happiness is more important. Polit- political agendas also mean family members that want you to marry somebody in your own race. 
have children in your own race so that, oh, it'll look just like your grandfather, it'll look just like your uncle. But what if you're in a relationship and you're not happy because you don't agree philosophically? You see, if it works so well, we wouldn't have 49% of people divorcing. Drop by two percentages, two percentage points, because people are actually staying together out of necessity. Homes are too expensive to buy, and it's too expensive for some people to start over. If you're in your mid forties and trying to start over in life, <coughs> you got a long road ahead of you. That's the reason why a lot of people they can't afford to fuck up at that late in the game. If you're in your 20s and 30s, you got a chance to probably get things straightened out. There are people in this country that have never had good credit in their lives. Some of them won't get it until they're in their 60s or 50s. After they've charged off all the bad debt. And it's amazing to see many of these women now asking about credit scores. Fellas, I always tell you, if they say they got a 700, doesn't mean anything. You know why? Whatever they use that credit for, they will have to pay for it, won't they? And what are they dependent on? more than likely a job to be able to do it. Which of the two are guaranteed when they got it? The credit amount they could charge once they get the card versus the job being guaranteed. Company can be sold. A lot of things can happen. But what's going to happen every month? That credit card bill is going to be due. Just like the car payment, just like the mortgage. So, for poor people, it may be a status symbol to have a 700 credit score or higher. It's best when you don't have to use credit that much. Much better. You can pay for things in advance in cash. Some people use credit cards as a cash management tool, but it should not be a lifestyle. I've known women that have gone through men after men after man after man, fucking his credit up along the way. Then when they start getting their credit together, they fuck it up too. Because it becomes a lifestyle choice for them. So, what are the things that you also have to look for? Someone who's focused. Someone who's committed. Someone who can actually stand by their decisions. This is the reason why I tell you guys, if you're dating interracially, never to get with a woman that's trying to have a discreet relationship with you. Same thing for you ladies that are minorities. Don't get involved with a discreet relationship with the man if he's ashamed to bring you out in public. There's a reason behind their discretion. Whatever's in the dark will come to the light, won't it? See, you got to remember one thing. If you do one thing and another person knows about it, you already have a threat. This is the reason why some of your best criminals in the world work by themselves and don't have a crew, don't have anybody with them. That's how they're able to get away so quickly. So when you go through life and you choose a partner, Gotta make sure you're choosing them for the right reason. Now, true enough, there'll be some mutual agreements, and I've seen them. 
curiosity dating. Well, let's see what it's like to date this or that person. But sometimes we forget that that person has feelings. And they're treated like a commodity. Nobody wants that. Like a friend of mine told me one time, she says... uh, She was African-American, and she was with... Well, she is African-American still. And she was dating a white guy for the first time. Well, he was a little bit naive to the culture and to interacting with... He didn't have the sensitivity and the diversity type of uh, knowledge. And he made a comment to her. He says, having sex with you is like going to the circus. And she asked me, what does that mean? I said, well, what does the circus make you do? It makes you laugh. I said, but what I think he means by that is that it's entertaining. And what she eventually found out was that the only reason why he was with her because he had never been with a black woman before and he felt as though it was a good experiment for him. When she started getting serious with him, that's when he said, "Uh uh-uh, not going to have any kids with you, not going to marry you. It's all about the moment. Now, A lot of us will try to overlook us. America's never had a dialogue or real talk about race. I know Obama tried it uh, years ago. But that was on a political level. We started talking about it on a citizen's level. Complaints and fears. We have more guns in this country than we have people. We're filled with fear. person knocks on somebody's door of another race, they're pulling out guns, shooting at them. Or they come to the door and ask them, how could they help them? But see, this sense of fear that we have in this country didn't come in overnight. It's something we've had for a very long time. All the way back to the beginning of this nation. Fearful of the British. Then we were fearful of the Native American. Then they were fearful of the slave. They were fearful of the people south of the border. My question is, when at some point are you going to be calmed and relaxed? You get in that hypervigilant state. After a while, that gets old. That's what this younger generation is telling many of the old guard, the boomers, the Gen Xers, and the Gen Ys. They're saying, look, you know, we had enough of this shit. We've watched you guys go through this dance, go through this patronizing-ass dance for so many years. We're tired of it. So, you have the woke movement. These people that are going and researching history to find out the truth about things. And of course, you have those people that are saying, oh, you don't need that. Why do you need to be woke? Things will find the way they were. Yeah, but certain portions of the country, certain people in those portions of the country. But what has happened? They have an aversion to change. Why do people have an aversion to change? They don't know where they're going to fit in after the change. Or will there be a place for them at all? So they are filled and consumed with fear. So much so, that during COVID, when not wearing a mask jeopardized your life, people were going buying guns and bullets. Because the way they thought, this is just something that's 
air. I can't see it, so it doesn't exist. But I can definitely see somebody coming into my backyard. And what does that mean? It means that if a country, take for instance Russia, or a country decided to maybe drop some sort of weapon that had an airborne disease in it, these guys will be armed to the teeth and fall like flies did. Just like showing up to a gunfight with a knife. Based on that fear. Now let's look at it for a moment. As Americans, what do we have to fear? We have to fear the police. We have to fear the extremists on all groups. We have to also fear God. We gotta fear the devil. In some cases, they fear the government. So they got all this shit you gotta fear. But where's the national sobriety? You gotta fear other people that don't look like you. You gotta fear the people that are coming across the border. If those people coming across the border get a job they're just going to send that money back home to help their economy what the United States sat on its ass and did for many decades was not worry about the promoting the economic development in those other nations so that they wouldn't have to come up here to work I'll pay coyotes three to six thousand dollars to get here. Whereas some of them will have to go, some of these girls will have to go to some of the clubs down there on Broadway in Los Angeles and charge men for dances so they can have enough money to send back to pay the coyote that got them up here across the border anyway. There are certain clubs throughout this country, folks, where the guys could dance with a woman, but they charge a fee so that they could uh, pay for the overhead. And I'm not talking sex or anything. I'm just talking about regular dance. A friend of mine carried me to a club like that one time years ago. I was shocked because I ain't paying for shit. Why would I go and pay for something here when I can go and dance with a woman for free in another club? But he had no game. You know, I talk to women. We can sit here and let our differences divide us and make us weaker than we could ever be if we want to. Or we could accept the fact that, hey, we got to work together. We got extremists in this country. We got separatists in this country. And we also have manipulators. Oh, Democratic Party had plenty of them. Those are the people that really didn't like minorities that much, really didn't like the gays that much, didn't like the LGBTQ community. But they liked the fact that they had power that they wouldn't have had on the right. We don't want to necessarily intermingle with you folks. But we want to lead you people and show you, don't worry about a thing. We'll speak for you. We'll think for you. We'll advocate for you. Against those mean people over there on the, on the right. Well, problem that they're having now with minorities looking at voting for Trump is because a lot of them have seen how the Democratic Party has treated them throughout many, many decades. The condescension, the patronizing. That's what they're tired of. That's what the minorities are tired of. The biggest slap in the face to black men that the the Democratic Party ever did, nobody's saying this, 
was when they specifically went after the African-American female vote and left the black man in the wind. 34% of black men voted for Trump last time around. That vote was more or less a protest vote out of frustration. I would never vote for Trump. But I'm just telling you. It was a wake-up call. Then you look at when Hillary ran for office back in 2020. What was the main focus? LGBTQ community and white suburban women. Everybody else was kind of put on the back burner. When Obama ran for office, he had a lot of white liberals that voted along with blacks. And it was more or less to say, okay, maybe this can solve the racial issue in America. So let's just go and put him in office. And then, of course, that will probably solve everything. We have a black president or a biracial president. It was more symbolic than anything else. Because we got to face it. When Obama was put in office, nobody really wanted that damn job with the state of the economy the way it was. was done all of the cuts had to be made all of the tightening of the budget and then when the economy started to turn around he was leaving office and guess who got the credit yours truly Donald Trump who didn't have to do a damn thing so It's more of a psychological thing with race than it is a tangible thing. And that's the problem here in America. We haven't addressed that issue yet. Well, and it's an issue. We have a white cop killing a kid in Colorado, in Aurora, Colorado. Well, well, put him in the hole, I'll put it that way. But it was the paramedics that actually injected him or George Floyd a man has his knee on his neck as the man urinated on himself and died calling out for his mother we have this thing white privilege in America And a lot of things, a lot of people think that it's a blanket thing. Works in certain areas and work in others. Even among other whites. Because the elite don't want to have shit to do with those people. Oh, you gotta use race in order to distinguish you from others. We can use income and distinguish ourselves from you completely. You'd never marry into those blue-blooded, blue-blood families. You'll never have the wealth that they accumulate. See, if it was all one-sided, every white person in this country would be wealthy. They wouldn't have slaves in America. They wouldn't have had slaves in America. Because what the whites would have done, they would have said, okay, well, you know, we'll pay the prevailing wage to whites to go out there and pick that cotton. No, they wanted to cut costs. We'll hire slaves. We'll buy slaves to do that. And we'll just placate the white population by saying, well, you know, we got laws to protect you and you're not on the same level as a slave, so why are you worried? We only need a few of you to be the slave handlers. The rest of you, shit, I don't know what to tell you. So during the Civil War, what did you see? A lot of people fighting for a cause. What was that cause? The wealth of Southern landowners. That was it. 
So when they came back from Gettysburg as amputees and went back home to Arkansas, Tennessee, and different places, there was no safety net for them. There was no Confederate government to give them a check or to help them out. It was the women in their communities that had to help them because they got duped just like the slave did so that the working class and poor whites and that's the way it went so you had this social strata the only thing the white folks had was laws to protect them from blacks and so they had to go down line since they weren't going to be wealthy they had to go and get into positions of authority judges lawyers and different positions in order to make sure that they control that population because that's the only power they had but the wealthier powers that be in a small percentage dictated how they behaved and of course would not let them marry into the families or enjoy the wealth that they had acquired. One day you'll realize a person like Donald Trump he wants your vote he doesn't want your ass. That's the way it goes. So no matter how loyal you are means nothing. So when it comes down to it all together, we're divided based on race. But the biggest division that we have as humans has to do with our philosophy on life, our outlook. Aesthetically, you may think that you're not compatible with someone else. Philosophically, you guys could probably get along. It took me years to learn this out there dating. Until I started dating women from different countries. Going to different parts of the world and dating them. And starting to realize, hey, you know what? We have more in common than we have uncommon. But we're stuck on the optics. We're stuck on the beliefs and the philosophies that we've been conditioned to believe. As I told you, how many of you had to square dance during PE class when you were growing up? The reason why you had to do that, thank that, thank Henry Ford for that. Because he's the one that said that America should be a certain way. And he tried to influence that as much as he possibly could. so a man that initially supported Hitler along with uh, Lindbergh and what did Germany actually have as a leader a failed corporal failed to use his resources to listen to generals that were far more superior in warfare than he was. And then he wanted to be exempted from all of the atrocities that he did inside that bunker. One thing you'll find about a sociopath, as long as the pain is inflicted on someone else, you have no effect on them. Let it happen to them, they won't know whether they should or go blind. Those are the people that can give it but can't take it. As I shared with you before, I dated a woman 
one night. We went, we went on a date. I'll put it that way. Went to Gladstone's. Out where PCH meets Sunset. And after dinner, we were walking on the beach. Beautiful woman. Locked fingers, holding hands. Sun was going down. And she said, something I need to tell you. And of course, with my joking ass, I said, oh, please, you were a man before? Oh, no, nothing like that. And she got real serious. Eyes locked on mine. She said, when I was a kid, I was diagnosed as a sociopath. I started laughing. I didn't believe it. I'm thinking she's bullshitting. When I thought of sociopath, I thought of people like Hitler, Mussolini, um, people like um, Charles Manson, Ted Bundy. She got upset with me because she was serious. And I was hoping and praying that she wasn't. But she was. She ended the date immediately. I took her home. That woman didn't care whether I was on the face of this earth or not the whole time till I got her back home. Didn't speak. Looking straight forward. Nothing said. Got out of the car, closed the door. That was it. Now, that was a heavy thing to lay on me at that time. But I appreciated her candor and honesty. But it was something I knew I could not really deal with at that time. And that was when Monica and I were on hiatus. I told Monica about it. And she said, yeah, I think you did the best thing by. Then she got mad at me for going out on a date with somebody else. But I told her, I said, well, we were apart and you told me it was okay for her. She said, yeah, I didn't date anyone while I was in Italy. And here you are dating this lady, blah, blah, blah. And she wanted the whole nine about her. And I showed her a picture that I'd snapped of her. And she said, she's gorgeous, but what the fuck is going on with her eyes? I said, yeah, that kind of wigged me out too. She had hazel eyes and they were just like locked. And she's like, yeah, she, she looks like she'd be a problem. And I asked her, I said, well, would this be cheating? She said, no, because we had gone our separate ways for a while, but now we're back together. So I just wanted to know to see if I was following out of the guidelines. Now, fellas, one thing I'm going to tell you, too. If you get caught cheating on your woman, she doesn't treat it like it's a big deal don't get too comfortable with it what she's probably doing is forgiving you so that she could bring that shit up when she cheats on you at some point trying to get a cheating credit be careful now the last thing I'm going to share with you on this go here is that peer pressure plays a big role when it comes to interracial relationships if your partner is worried about losing friends losing their reputation losing their family because of you don't get involved with that relationship this includes not only people of different races this includes of gender persuasion sexual lifestyle choices 
with his age, with his height. Don't get involved with this person if they look at it from the standpoint that they're going to have to give up family, friends, relationships to be with you. It's going to come back in your face the first time you guys have a dispute or a disagreement. I'm telling you. And in these situations, if you're already dealing with opposing views to your relationship, you go to your folks in order to get an amen from them. Their expectations of you is to leave that person. In some cases, they'll own you back if you leave that person. And you also have to realize your partner can't manage their family members. So if they have a prejudice against you or a stereotype, that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, they might change their attitude a little bit and warm up to you later on. Others may not. They may not want to get to know you because they want to keep you objectified, keep you like this thing that they fear or dislike or hate. Because if they don't, it doesn't follow the narrative. And again, they don't want to have cognitive dissonance. They don't want to believe one thing and then have something factual that contradicts that one thing that they believe and find themselves going against the very thing they believe. A lot of it had to do with personal pride. Just wanted to share that with you. And the final thing. If you are a minority, or if you're in the majority of any group, if your partner has to go and act a certain way in order to feel as though they have to fit in, that's not for you. They're uncomfortable being themselves. And so they feel as though they have to go and fit in to be you cultural appropriation, that kind of thing. Just be who you are. If you speak correct English naturally, keep speaking it. Be who you are. Because unless you do that, no one else can be you. And once you've lost who you are, that's the reason why many of you are confused. Because when you don't know who you are, don't appreciate who you are, you don't love who you are. And you put yourself at a disadvantage unjustifiably. Love yourself. If you don't have anybody, take yourself out on a date. Why not? Treat yourself nice. Go to a nice restaurant. Have you a glass of champagne? Nice steak dinner yourself well. And see what you'll realize later on is this. You always know you can treat yourself better than someone can treat you. There's a beauty to that. So if a person's trying to throw something in your face that they've done for you and you've done better for yourself, is that really going to hurt your feelings? So, folks, I want you to take care. Love you all. And talk to you tomorrow. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes, in the event for professional assistance. Please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, 
marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.